Good morning, everyone. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us today. And for those worshiping online, uh, write something in the comments so we know that you are with us as well. For those watching online, you don't know, but there is an awesome group of people here, and they all look thrilled to be here. I think so. At least their eyes look happy, right? Because they all have masks on, but they might be making faces. I don't know. Um, so again, write something in the comments. We're so glad for those of you who worship online as well. Uh, Pastor Sam has a new blog. Uh, you can find it on the church app or on Facebook. It has 40 questions uh, from the book of Genesis. I uh, hear it's pretty awesome. I heard it's almost as cool as Harriet Murray's uh, Bible study group. So that's pretty great. Uh, we have a lot of journey groups that you can find on Zoom as well. Um, and our missions team has been hard at work. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the missions team actually fed 75 uh, lunches of firehouse subs over at Gadsden Regional uh, the other day. And that was for anyone working with um, COVID patients, so the ICU, ER, other staff. And that was awesome. And uh, they're going to be doing the same thing for Riverview in the near future. Um, this announcement I'm really excited about. Catherine Barnes is just awesome uh, children's director, and everybody's so appreciative of all she does. Uh, they're having Cupcake Wars uh, in the gym at 6 p.m. Uh, this Wednesday. It's going to be spread out. Each family has their own table. Um, this is such so much fun. The youth group's actually crashing the party, too. We're going to join them. It's going to be just like we're on the Food Network and have a cupcake decorating competition. Sounds pretty great, doesn't it? Catherine, we're going to have to post pictures so everybody in this service can see it. So, uh, and lastly, I wanted to let you know that March 28th, Palm Sunday, uh, and that's a ways away, but I want you to get excited about it. We're not... This morning as we worship together, I invite you to stand as we sing together hymn 139, Praise to the Lord the Almighty.
faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And at this time, our, um, Catherine's going to take our children to Children's Church. And I want you to know, Cupcake Wars, that's a battle that I was made for. I am willing to engage in the Cupcake Wars anytime. I'm so glad to see my friends today, or some of my friends. And I know that you're connected with us at home. And so I'm glad that you're worshiping with us wherever you are. I want to remind you uh, how important you are to us. The burdens that you carry and, and the sorrows that you bear are something that we want to share. So send us your prayer requests. Send us your answers to prayer because we want to rejoice with you too. And so you're, you don't have to carry that heavy load alone. And I want you to know that we're here for you. I want to invite you to continue to support your church through your prayers and your presence and your gifts and your service. So um, if you want to give today and you're here inside this sanctuary, there, there are offering plates at the front and in the back entrances. Uh, you can always give online. You can always text to give. You can go on our website or on our app and continue to support the ministries of this church. Thank you for doing that. And now we're going to... to Go to the Lord in prayer, and we ask that you join us. Our gracious God, we give you thanks as we come into your presence for the manifold blessings, for your grace, which is sufficient for us, for your strength that helps us to carry on, for your comfort that gives us comfort in the hour of our need and enables us to pass that same comfort along to others who are having a similar struggle as, as us. Gracious God, we confess to you today as we bow before you. We know that, that you see deep into our hearts and you know all the ways that we fall short of your glory for us. So we confess to you and we repent for not doing those things which you have called us to do. We repent for doing the things which you have called us not to do and for, for missing the true purpose that you have for our lives. Forgive us when we've closed our ears, Lord, to the cries of the needy around us. Forgive us, Lord, when we have just been too lazy to be engaged in uh, the mission that you have for us. God, we know that there are people that are struggling right now, and we lift our friends to you. Uh, we, we know that people are struggling with illness and with grief and with pain and, um, Father, just physical needs, uh, emotional needs. We pray for our friends in the state of Texas right now and for any who are, are struggling with the cold and the, and the weather, for our, our homeless brothers and sisters. Lord, help us to think about them for all who struggle today Lord, we pray for your healing hand upon them. And show us how we can be the answer to our own prayers by being your hands and feet. Teach us now today to pray the prayer that you taught your disciples when you said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. so much David and Benny um, I think the older I get the more nostalgic I, I get and I have a, an old hymnal in my office that was my grandmother's and in the back of that hymnal she's got a piece of paper uh, on stationery she she wrote down her favorite hymns and one of her favorite hymns was let the lower lights be burning isn't that beautiful what a what a beautiful message and a beautiful hymn thank you all so much for that it's like a gift to us every every Sunday uh, mark chapter 1 is the scripture I want to invite you to turn with me to the gospel chapter uh, of mark chapter 1 if you're here uh, or if you're at home the words are going to be up on the screen for you if you if you don't have a Bible nearby mark chapter 1 verses 9 through 15 today in those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. 
And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Several years ago, I was talking with a friend of mine who had just moved to a new church it was a, a large church, and he was on a large staff. He was not the senior pastor. He's a member of a large staff on this church. And um, he had been there long enough to get the lay of the land. So I said, what's it like working with your senior pastor? And he thought for a moment, and he said, it's kind of like this. It's like he shoots an arrow, and... Then he goes and finds wherever that arrow landed, and then he draws a bullseye around the arrow. <laughs> and I thought, yikes. Wow. So I, I'll have to be honest with you. I, I think I've worked with some people like that before, you know. And even more honest, I think I've been like that before. You know, ready, shoot, aim. Hey, can any of y'all relate to that? I, I don't know. Let's be honest. Have any of you ever, like, shot your mouth off before uh, engaging your brain and you wish I could tell well I wish I hadn't said that uh, you know that's one of those things um, last week we looked at the Mount of Transfiguration it was Transfiguration Sunday and Jesus took Peter James and John up on the mountain and all of a sudden Jesus was glowing with the glory of God and he was talking to Moses and Elijah and poor Apostle Peter didn't know what to say, but he didn't let that stop him. He just said the wrong thing. And uh, so I can relate to that. God bless the Apostle Peter because he reminds us all of ourselves so much. So maybe you've, maybe you've shot your mouth off without thinking. Or maybe you've been like me and you've done something. You, you've done something and at the end of it you looked back and you thought, Hmm, you know, I didn't really think that went all the way through. Well, and like impulse spending, you know, eBay, QVC, any, anybody? Y'all are not even nodding your heads. You're, you're making me feel alone out here. Or, or mindless snacking. Oh, here, well, some people are on it. Mindless snacking is like, how did I eat that whole bag of potato chips? I, did, I don't even remember doing that. Or you're sitting and you're like, it's one o'clock in the morning and I'm watching an infomercial. Why, why am I doing that? You know, one thing that strikes me about the way that the Gospel of Mark tells Jesus' story that's different from Luke and John and Matthew is Mark just focuses right in on, on Jesus' determination and Jesus' um, just clear purpose. Um, Jesus knows who he is and Jesus knows where he came from and he knows where he's going. He, and knowing that identity, he then just intentionally prepares and then he sets his face in a purposeful direction. Or in other words, he goes ready, aim, and then fire. So I want us to think about those scriptures in Mark chapter 1 in terms of ready, aim, and fire. So first, ready. Jesus knows his identity, and he has it affirmed by his heavenly Father. So when the time was right, we know that Jesus came to, to John the Baptist in the Jordan, and after he was baptized, it says that the heavens were torn apart and that the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And then a voice came from heaven saying these words, You are my son, the beloved, and with you I am well pleased. So thinking about what, what Jesus was about to face, how important was it for him to know 
who he was and to have that inf- uh, affirmed by his heavenly father. And now let's bring this home to us. Knowing what we face just on a day-to-day basis, how important is it for us to know who we are and to have that affirmed by God our Father, to be affirmed as God's beloved. If nobody has told you this lately, I want to tell you today, I want to remind you today that you are created in God's image and you are God's beloved. God loves you so much that if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Every single one of us, right? We're God's children. We're God's beloved. You are God's child. Know that. My favorite um, preacher, my all-time favorite preacher, was my preaching professor in seminary. His name was Dr. Fred Craddock. He's just, just a fabulous preacher, a great teacher, a great storyteller. One of his best stories that I love is when he and his wife got to take uh, a, a surprise getaway to Gatlinburg. And they got a little cabin on a, a mountain stream. And uh, I don't know, you, I'm sure you've all been to, to the Smoky Mountains. It's, it's just wonderful. Doesn't that sound nice? You know, maybe you could even look at the snow at, at this time of year. But they, they, they found their little cabin. They got, they got to go to dinner the first night there at their favorite restaurant. It wasn't one of those big chain restaurants. It was a small place. And they got at their table. And, and Dr. Craddock said he could just feel the stress just starting to, to melt away a little bit. You know, sometimes you've got to get away, right? And he said at this about that moment, the front door opened and in walked this guy that was almost like the definition of a mountain man. Overalls on, loud, booming, East Tennessee accented voice. He seemed to know everybody in the restaurant. He knew the cook, he knew the waitresses, he knew the hostess, he, he knew everybody. He greeted them by name. And then he started going around table to table talking to everybody in there. And Dr. Craddock said he was thinking the whole time, please don't come over here, please don't come over here, please. Because, I mean, sometimes you, you want to get away from people. He said, we came all the way to Gatlinburg to get away from people. Please don't come over here. But sure enough, the, the old man made his way over to the Craddock's table, and he looked at them and he said, well, hey there, uh, where are you all from? And Dr. Craddock said, well, we're from Atlanta. He said, from Atlanta? Well, tell me, what do you do down there in Atlanta? And Dr. Craddock said, well, I'm a professor of homiletics. And he was really kind of thinking that would put the guy off, which it usually does. But instead of putting the guy off, he said, well, I'll be. You mean you teach preachers how to preach? And And he thought, oh, no. And then he pulls up a chair to Dr. Craddock and Mrs. Craddock's table and sits down and he says, I've got a preacher story. I've just got to tell you. And then he goes into his, it's like his life story. He said, he said, I was raised in East Tennessee, in the mountains of East Tennessee, and we didn't have anything. My mother, uh, uh, my mother got pregnant with me. And so she had me, uh, and I was born out of wedlock. I was illegitimate, as they used to say. And she never would, she gave me her last name because she didn't want me to hold a grudge against my father. So I grew up not having a father, not even knowing who my father was. And in those days, that was quite a stigma. As a matter of fact, it was hard because I always felt bad about myself. I always felt like I was less than all of my friends. And my classmates used to call me names. And he, he said, well, excuse my language, but they would call me that bastard boy. And he said, that was what I carried as a, as a child. And he said, I would go to, to town on Saturday for my mother to get something at the store. And he said, I felt like everybody was whispering behind my back. And I felt like everybody was staring at me. And he said, well, on Sundays, my, my mother quit going to church. 
uh, when I was born because she said she didn't feel welcome. But my grandmother t always took me to the little, little uh, Methodist church up on the mountain. And we, he, what we would do is we would come in the back and we would get there right before the service would start and we'd sit on the back pew and then right as the preacher was saying the benediction, we would sneak out that back door so that we wouldn't have to see or talk to anybody. He said, because, you know, I, I like to listen to the preacher, okay, but I was scared of him because he was a large man and he had a big booming voice and he had thick eyebrows that jumped up and down when he preached and uh, he always pointed his finger like this and he said I always thought he was pointing right at me and so I was scared to death of that preacher the whole time we went to that church all growing up he said one Sunday we we got up for the benediction and and we were about to leave and and the usher stopped us and he said you you can't go out that door because during the service, it's been sleeting. Because this is the mountains of East Tennessee. He said it's been sleeting during service. And the steps are just covered with ice. So you're going to have to go out. You have to go out the side door. And so he said, we, for, for the first time, I found myself in line with people that were going to have to go right by the preacher and he said, I was so nervous, I was wringing my hands the whole time. And he said, I got up there, and I thought I was going to sneak around him, right? And he said, as I was trying to scoot around him, I felt this huge hand on my shoulder. And the preacher looked me right in the face, and with his big, booming voice, he said, Boy, who's your daddy? And he said, my heart just sank because that is the question that I dreaded my whole life. And he said, I could feel my face flush and I could feel my eyes start to fill with tears and my mouth was so dry that I couldn't say anything. And then the preacher said, now, oh, now I see the resemblance. You're a child of God. Now go claim your inheritance. And then the old man smiled at Dr. and Mrs. Craddock and said, I hope y'all liked my preacher story and y'all enjoy your dinner. And then he got up and moved on and started talking to the people at the next table. And Dr. Craddock said they were just speechless. They didn't know what to say. It was not at all what they expected. And so... When they got ready to leave the restaurant, they were, went up to the counter, paid their check, and he said, I just asked the hostess, he said, who was that old man that came in here earlier? And the waitress smiled and she said, oh, him? Oh, that was Ben Hooper. And so they walked out the restaurant and Dr. Credit said he was thinking, Ben Hooper, Ben, ben Hooper. I know that name from somewhere. And then he remembered he, he remembered a story that his own daddy had told him about a poor fatherless boy that grew up in the mountains of East Tennessee, a boy that would end up going on to college and becoming an attorney and then later on be elected and serve two terms as the governor of Tennessee. And that boy's name was Ben Hooper. Ben Hooper, child of God. So I hope you know today that you are God's beloved child. I am too. We're in the family of God. Remembering our identity will help us face just about anything that's in front of us, whatever in front of us. That's what gets us ready. And then next is the aim. Jesus intentionally prepared for where he was going. After he was baptized and affirmed by his heavenly father, verse 12 says that the spirit drove him immediately into the wilderness. In the wilderness for 40 days. Mark's gospel just gives us the bare bones details, right? Matthew's and Luke's gives us the whole interaction between Jesus and the devil. But in Mark's gospel, it just says 
Wilderness, 40 days, tempted by Satan, wild beast, waited on by angels. That's basically, it's, it's sort of like dragnet, just the facts, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. And so, I don't know if you've ever wondered, why was the wilderness, why was the desert part of Jesus's preparation? I think we are, are meant to think about, I think the readers of the gospel are meant to be reminded of the 40 years in the wilderness that, that Israel spent being tested, right? And, and Israel failed the test over and over again. That's why it took 40 years. That's why a whole generation had to die off before they could go into the promised land. Don't you remember how they failed the testing? They failed the preparation. They, they made a golden calf to worship instead of God. They complained and grumbled all the time. They complained that they didn't have enough food and then when God provided manna for them, they complained about the menu. They just, I don't know, just had an overall lack of faith that God's timing was God's timing and that God's provision was God's provision. So they failed the test in the wilderness. But Jesus... Jesus won the victory in the wilderness. You see? Jesus won the, the tempta- against the temptation. Jesus uh, won the battle. He didn't let his, his physical appetites rule him. He, he refused to worship anybody but God. He refused to shortcut God's timing and to, and to circumvent God's will, but he trusted God's timing and God's will completely in the desert. He won the victory for us, for us. The wilderness is where it happened. The wilderness is where everything is stripped away. The wilderness is where you learn that you can depend on God when God is all you have. Have any of y'all ever heard um, of Corey Ten Boom? Any of you heard Corey Ten Boom? If you haven't heard of Corey Ten Boom, then uh, find her book, The Hiding Place, because it is one of the best. I mean, her story is just amazing. She was a, a Dutch woman who, along with her family, helped many Jews to escape the Nazis during World War II by hiding them in her home. And she and her sister, Betsy, would help hide these uh, Jews from the Nazis. And they eventually, um, they eventually got caught and got sent to um, the concentration camp. And her sister, Betsy, died in the concentration camp. And of course, she survived and she writes about her experiences. Fabulous woman of faith. Uh, a marvelous story about enduring under unimaginable circumstances. One of the things that she writes, there are many different quotes that you'll hear, but one of the things that she writes that I think I'll always remember is this. She says, you may never know that God is all you need until God is all you have. I want to say that again because it's so important. You may never know that God is all you need until God is all you have. That's what the desert teaches us. That's what the wilderness teaches us, right? Is that when God is all we have, we discover that God is all we need. And it prepares us. It helps aim us in the right direction, you see. The 40 days of Lent are are meant to have us walk with Jesus through this wilderness time starting with starting with knowing that we're God's beloved children and then knowing that that when everything is stripped away from us everything that's so distracting everything that just threatens to worry us and consume us and we find this just us and God right it's just us and God that God is all that we need and that understanding aims us because we do need to adjust our aim, don't we? That's what repentance is really all about, isn't it? The word that the New Testament uses most often for sin is 
a Greek word that means to miss the mark. It's an archery term. So you think about shooting a bow and arrow and missing the target. So God does have a target for our lives. God has a purpose for our lives. And when we fall short of that, when we miss that target, that's what sin is. So when our aim is off, right, even slightly, if you've, you've shot a bow and arrow before uh, or a BB gun or something, when your aim is off even a little bit, then what you get is not what you wanted to get. And repenting means changing your aim. And it's, it's a lifelong process. We don't have to just change our aim just once. We have to do it all the time because we're prone to miss the mark, aren't we? We're prone to miss the mark. And the good news of repentance, repentance doesn't seem like good news, but it is. The good news of repentance is that we can change our mind and we can change our aim. And if we're aimed in the wrong direction, well, what are we waiting on? Change the aim, change the direction, head God's way. Rick Barnett was one of my friends and he was a, a great coach and a teacher that I worked with at Grissom High School for years. And he used to tell me about growing up on Sand Mountain. And um, he grew up in the country on Sand, of course, in the country on Sand Mountain. I grew up in the country, another part of the state, but we had a lot in common. And he would tell me about his childhood growing up on Sand Mountain. And he, uh, he was one of those rebellious boys, you know, one of those hard-headed rebellious boys. And and so his dad was forever having to take him to the woodshed. Do y'all know what I'm talking about when I say go to the woodshed? Except it wasn't just a euphemism. They really did have a woodshed. And his dad really did take him to the woodshed. And he said when Papa Barnett would take him to the woodshed, he always said the same thing to him as they were headed that way. He said, boy, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. And that has always stuck with me. I can't tell you the number of high school kids that I heard Coach Barnett say to them, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. Do you not like what you're getting? Then you need to change what you're doing. And that's the lesson of repentance. That's the lesson of Lent. When we get quiet with God and when we see that we're aimed in the wrong direction, the good news that Jesus won the victory in the wilderness over the devil is that we don't have to keep doing what we're doing and getting what we're getting. We can change our aim. And we need to, don't we? We need to. During Lent, it, it, it's a perfect time to I don't know, take out the spiritual trash, right? It's a perfect time to get ready knowing that we're God's beloved children and then aim in the way God wants us to be aimed. And then the fire part becomes from getting busy doing what God has made us to do as God opens the way. Let us pray. God, thank you for this time of preparation that we call Lent. Help us to take time intentionally to be quiet enough to hear your voice, to reflect on, on which way we're going and change our aim as we need to. And help us to do all of this remembering how much you love us that you couldn't love us any more no matter what we did and you couldn't love us any less no matter what we did we're your beloved help us to be ready to get aimed in the right direction and then go and be your hands and feet in this world in Jesus name we pray amen so Lent is the time to walk with Jesus through the wilderness and prepare our hearts for the cross and for the resurrection. And so 
Our closing hymn is number 430 in the hymnal, and it's, O Master, Let Me Walk With Thee. And the words are going to be up on the screen for you. So even if you're sitting at home with your family or by yourself, sing this with us and let this closing hymn be an actual closing prayer for you. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit go with us all, now and forever. Amen. Amen.